Welcome to the Busted Fighters Repaired Daily Podcast. On Busted Fighters, we discuss sports medicine topics important to MMA athletes, their doctors, therapists, trainers, and coaches. Our guests tell their story of recovery from a specific injury, what worked for them, what didn't, and why. I'm your host, Matt Colby. I'm a chiropractic sports physician, and I focus on the problems MMA athletes run into during training, fight camps, and competition. Today, I'm here with my friends Tom Allman, Matt Andrade, and our very special guest, Augusto Mendez, Tanquino. Uh, he's my jujitsu professor. He has been for eight or nine years. And when Tanquino's on a podcast, usually the focus is on his unbelievable career in jujitsu and MMA. Today, our topic was his cervical disc herniation. He had an acute cervical disc herniation, a fusion, uh, complications after surgery, and he was told it was going to be impossible for him to return to the sport. Guess what? That's not what happened. Afterwards, he came back and won ADCC. He was in the UFC, and uh, he's still competing today. So here it is, an entire episode regarding how to ruin and repair your neck in MMA or jiu-jitsu with Augusto Tanquino Mendez. Thank you for being here, Professor. I really appreciate it. Tank, tank, man. Yeah. So, pleasure. Yeah. So we met seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't know who you were. I didn't I knew very little about jujitsu. I had taken like two or three classes. And from then till now, so much has happened. Yeah. I mean, you've won ADCC, you've been in the UFC, um, you're now doing uh, ACB where where you can do MMA and grappling matches. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about sports injuries, right? And when I, when I was putting this together, I've really been thinking about doing a sports medicine podcast for a couple of years. And this is the episode I, I was always really excited about because we have a very important topic, right? How to, how to ruin your neck in MMA and wrestling. And we have a very important guest. And uh, you have a really amazing story when it comes to lower cervical spine injuries, surgery, rehab, mm-hmm. r- rolling and, and fighting with and without injuries. Um, tell us a little bit about it. I know it's a long story, so just pick it up wherever wherever you'd like to. Yeah, yeah. well, um, for me, like, um, I was living in Brazil, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow I hurt my neck there, training. I don't know if I had something before or mm-hmm. I never felt nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already black belt and, and competing, like, internationally, all, all that uh, um, um, high-level competition. And... Like one one day training, I just felt something wrong on my neck, and next day my neck was super stiff. I couldn't move, and then it just got worse as the days was passing by. Mm-hmm. And like in ten days, I need to do the surgery. You know? Like that mm-hmm. was the time frame. Like the day that I got From hurt, when you first got hurt, yeah. exactly. And then when you do the surgery, it was like ten days apart. Mm-hmm. So it was just getting worse. I went to the um, uh, neurocirurgeon mm-hmm. in Brazil. We did MRI, and he told me, "Man, we, we need to go to surgery right now." You know, mm-hmm. I had a big compression on the spinal cord, mm-hmm. and he pretty much told him that I would not be able to train anymore, mm-hmm. to competing or nothing. He said, "With luck, we're gonna be able to to teach." You know, he showed the moves, but like competing on the high level, the way that you do, you know. It's gonna be impossible. Not not a very optimistic prognosis. It yeah, is, yeah. yeah. Well, but like, I understand. Yeah. Doctors no, most of the time they, they want to tell you that you're not gonna, right? You know what I mean? Do things like that. Now, was your particular neurosurgeon was he or she familiar with like the nuances of the sport? Well, he he told him that he was, but I think he was not. Right, <laughs> right. I think he he just no. Yeah, I know what jujitsu. Yeah. yeah, I think blah, with blah, a blah. lot of jujitsu. Uh, 
or grappling patients find themselves speaking with their doctor, they, they have to kind of fill them in on, on, on what, what all you're doing, right? That's and fine. I think lots of times with neck injuries, they're picturing, I think sometimes the athlete is picturing that they're sustaining these neck injuries from getting choked or from getting na- yeah. neck cranked. But the real mechanism mechanism of injury for, for for a hurt disc in the lower cervical spine is usually compression, like axial compression, yeah. like like weight on the top of the head or weight to the forehead. That's I think what happened to me. You know, yeah. because years like I, I used to post my head on the ground, like mm-hmm. to avoid like sweeps or takedowns, mm-hmm. just hitting my head mm-hmm. constantly on the ground through through the years. You know, and eventually probably. Uh, yeah. That's how I got like a, a hernia, and yeah. and they need to do the fusion. Mm-hmm. Now, before the day you hurt your neck, your neck felt fine or close yeah, to fine? No, fine. Yeah. I never, I never had nothing. Yeah. I never felt nothing. Like n- no more like injuries here and there, mm-hmm. but like sore here, but nothing the way that I was feeling. Oh, yeah. I started to, like, um, I my my chest, my biceps, triceps, my whole right side was start to atrophy. I was mm-hmm. losing, like like I said, on those ten days. I lost pretty much, uh, let's say like uh, 14 pounds mm-hmm. just on that side. It was a atrophy, everything, mm-hmm. and I was super scared too. You know, I didn't know what it, right. what it was going and that to was, happen. That was right as soon as you came to the U.S. Right? Like yeah. you had surgery, yeah. you came to the U.S. a week or two later, yeah. and you're yeah. having these complications from the surgery. Yeah. Well, yeah. like I had this the trip already scheduled. I was coming to the United States. I was mm-hmm. moving here in mm-hmm. December, and that's happening. I think it's in November, if I'm not wrong. And then, like I said, in 10 days, I did the surgery. I was I did the first two weeks of rehabilitation in Brazil, and then I just moved it, mm-hmm. you know? That made me even more scared, you know, because I didn't know, like, like what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thankful to meet you, you know what I mean? And back in the time, I think it was first week or maybe second week, I don't remember exactly. And then you started the treatment with me, mm-hmm. and, um, and pretty much I did the, everything here with you you know mm-hmm. like getting mm-hmm. back there getting the muscles back mm-hmm. the, taking care of the neck again yeah and, and just to catch everybody up to speed right so um Tankinho apparently had an acute disc herniation a lot of disc herniations with wrestlers and grapplers are chronic meaning like you had a problem that finally hit got to the point where, where your disc broke it sounds like for you it probably was an acute herniation versus chronic and who, who knows if you had something going on ahead of yeah. time, but with driving with your head and posting on your head and things like that, it could have been the situation where eventually, you know, it took a certain amount of damage and, and that disc broke. Now, the surgery that Tanquinho had was a C5, C6 fusion, yeah. which is really common among wrestlers and fighters. You meet, I mean, I know at least seven or eight grapplers yeah. and wrestlers and MMA fighters who, who have had fusions. And of course it's something you want to avoid, but in his case he needed surgery. Like things were very painful and going very wrong. You probably had a huge disc herniation in there. Yeah. And when they did the surgery, what, what, what Tanquinho was talking about regarding um, his arm getting weak and losing weight. And uh, that's called a C5 palsy. And it does happen fairly frequently with um, fusions and, uh, I, I, I took a took a little bit of a, a look this morning before the podcast, and depending on the source, they say it happens somewhere between 3.5% to 4.5% of the time when someone has a fusion, and that's specifically for the segment that you had at C5, C6. So they're basically welding it together? Basically, they took, what they did is, he, he had a, di- a disc explode, right, herniate at C5, so the disc had to go. 
because the disc is pinching the nerve, right? The C5 nerve. And um, so they remove the disc. They do a discectomy, right? They take the disc out and then they do a fusion. So they took vertebrae number five, C5, and vertebrae number six, and they made them one. Wow. So you're shorter afterwards. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> slightly. Well, they're taking a very small disc out and usually put put bone grafting in. Sure. So that's why I'm short. Now people are saying, <laughs> yeah. you were tall before. But one other interesting thing about the complications that, that he had afterwards is that it was a C5 palsy and that was the C5 segment that was fused. And that's where this complication after surgery happens three or 4%. So the, the arm was dead? Or Not dead, but like, uh, I, I lost pretty much all, all the muscles here, like just atrophied the muscles. So oh, like shit. I couldn't even do a push up, mm-hmm. like right after that. So I and it's like your pec was like, def- yeah. for lack of a better word, it looked deflated. Like there was a pec yeah. muscle here, you and see like a flat one. Yeah, here. <laughs> like both of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't see the difference. Like when it was like no shirt, you see like oh man, one side is is good, the other one is not. Yeah, the mm-hmm. lateral, the lateral pectoral nerve branching out from c5 is what what where this happens the most and most people do get better like within this can happen right after surgery or up to 20 days after where this this problem occurs and most of the time it does get better on on its own we worked on it um you know when he came in the clinic and we were doing some things to help you know help it come back faster but there really is no way to tell if some of the things we did like soft tissue therapy a little bit of traction uh laser therapy if those things helped or if they were just supportive or if they didn't really do anything and he just got better on his own. Mm. It's hard to tell, but um, very scary, like when you have a surgery like that to fix something and you come out with a new problem. Exactly. And, and like for me, I didn't know if he was getting the muscles back or not. Mm-hmm. Like I said, uh, in my mind, it was just which the doctor told me I'm not training anymore. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to, to get the, the muscles back and have a normal life, you know what I mean? Like. So it's kind of like choking off the hose to that area where it's not, you're not even push-ups weren't helping. It's just deflating. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You're pinching the nerve. Yeah. And the reason it happens a lot with C5 is C- C5, that nerve is where the peak of your lordotic curve is, the curve that's in your neck. And when they do the surgery, not because a mistake was made or anything, that that nerve can get pulled on and tethered and traction back and, and either it gets damaged permanently or damaged temporarily. That, like that's why the here. doctor told me I need to do the surgery right away because he told me it was a like big compression and it was making damage on the nerve. Mm-hmm. So if we keep that compression longer, might be like um, forever. I mean, so they said, well, let's do just the surgery. We head to the hospital, do it right now. And and that way, like which time the damage is gonna heal and then you're gonna get back uh, the muscles back, which time? No, mm-hmm. I think for me it took about like probably like six months to start to get everything back and then uh, for sure i didn't have any pain right after the surgery sounds frustrating yeah that was (laughs) it was a hard time you know and imagine like moving from brazil to here you know i mean not speaking the language you know so it was a really hard time Mm -hmm. um when did you get back to training how how long after surgery did you actually start to do things on the mat again well like i did a lot of exams first to to get the authorization for the doctor no because mm-hmm. i didn't want to step his toes and say okay i'm gonna do i mean i'm mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. no i said well like i don't know is my neck if something goes wrong like i might be paralyzed forever no <laughs> so i said well like so he sent me uh, to do new exams here i did the mri again i did another one that i don't remember the name that kind of uh 
tell you about the nerve a little bit? Like, oh, uh, like a spark test? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's called a nerve conduction velocity test, NCV, or EMG, electromyogram. And uh, what they're doing is they're sending a shock, like a, like a spark, kind of like when you touch a doorknob and yeah. it sparks you, up the nerve, and they're measuring the speed that that spark travels. Yeah. Just like electricity, just to see if there's a connection or if there's yeah. something cut in the middle. Yeah. And it is considered like the gold standard to prove that a nerve is being pinched. But usually when you're getting this test done, you already know if a nerve is getting pinched because it's not working right, right? The question is, where, where? is it getting pinched? <coughs> and that test is known to, va- it's known to vary a lot depending on who, who, who's administering the test. And it can vary from day to day on people, but it is considered the standard for proving that that nerve's getting bumped into, usually before surgery. So usually it's not idiot it. proof with a dipshit doctor that doesn't right. know he's Well, it's kind, of, it's kind of, it's a little bit subject, subjective. Right. So, um, but it's good to do, people do it a lot before surgery to prove that the symptoms are coming from the problem that they see. So, yeah. so I did that too. And he later let me start back to train the light, you know what I mean? Choosing my trains, not posting my head on the ground mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, that was really conservative, like choosing who I was training. So, but I think I started training. So I had the surgery in November. I think it was May. Mm-hmm. That was about like six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's when I started training light again. And that was May. In August, I fought my first tournament back. Mm-hmm. That was the Las Vegas Open, mm-hmm. and I won my division too. I was like, like I said, I started training in May. Probably in June or July, I started training really hard again, like high intensity. Mm-hmm. And then I just was missing too much in the, mm-hmm. the competition. I said, oh, I'm going to sign up and compete and see what's going to happen. And then once, so I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> that, that's great. Did you find yourself favoring it at all? Um, like, do you, do, you, do you roll differently now? I, th- I think back in the time, back in the time I, I did, yeah. not now. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like I just, I just forget about. It was good. It, and yeah. I mean, but like back in the time, it was super. Like, oh, nobody can touch my confidence. neck. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody touch my neck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If someone was on my back, it was okay. Tapping, start over again. And I was not. I never had that ego. You know what I mean? To be like, oh, I'm in the tough one. Especially in training, like I like training harder, but I need to understand limitation. You know right. I mean? And back mm-hmm. at the time. I had some li- limitation, and that was not my first surgery too. You know, the fusion was not the first. I had like a uh, elbow surgery too, that took me out for six, seven months too. Before that, like one, two years before. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, it was almost in the same situation. I didn't want to post my hand on the ground, or I don't want someone attack my arm. So I just mm-hmm. changed my game to defend him on my arm, and they started to do the same thing to my neck. You know. Mm-hmm. One thing you brought up was posting on your head, right? Yeah. Now, when we have wrestlers and jiu-jitsu people and MMA fighters, you know, present to the clinic with neck problems, especially if they have radiating pain. Now, now this is where, where the athlete really has to start considering the amount of time they post on their head. Some people post on their head a lot and some don't. Yeah. Um, people who shoot in for single and double legs a lot and get stuffed. That's not not great for, for the discs in your neck, too. And it's not to say that these things are going to cause problems with your neck. But once the athlete has identified that they have a problem, now this is something worth avoiding. Like you had to avoid that after surgery in your situation, but there's plenty of athletes that that we meet who are are having ongoing neck issues, but they don't sort of revise their game, right? But that's the thing, like I changed that a lot. Like Mm -hmm. when I heard they had the surgery through the years, I started to protect my neck way more. Mm -hmm. And like shooting to single leg or double leg, that's something that I avoid like almost 100%. I pretty much don't don't shoot anymore. Mm -hmm. But during my preparation for ADCC last year, 2019, 
in September. Um, was a no geek tournament, so there's a lot of wrestling mm -hmm. there on the on the ADCC rules. So I was doing way more like shooting, and then a week before the tournament, I did a big shooting in Kyler, actually Kyler Phillips, mm -hmm. and I hit my head, the top of my head on his hips, and I felt right away going to my to yeah. my to my arm again, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I can't believe. <laughs> No, did you when you did that? Did you hear a bunch of crackling like in your? No, neck, I, like I couldn't hear nothing. No, I mean, it was yeah. just it was too fast too. I just like I just fell. Gotcha. And then I felt a little bit sore, but nothing too bad. So I just rest. It was already like one week to the tournament. I said, okay, I'm gonna rest, try to recover that. Mm -hmm. And then I went there. I fought again. I didn't feel nothing during the fights. I won the tournament. And then I took like a one two weeks off, and then I got an MMA fight. So I just started camp again. It's my first week training. I felt again my neck. Like down the arm. Exactly. Like yeah. doing MMA, I just shooting someone on the cage, going to single leg, double leg, and then felt my neck again. I said, well, mm -hmm. I'm stopped. And then went to you again. We did <laughs> the whole rehabilitation. Yeah. And I just pulled it out of the fight. We I did some traction, I think. Exactly. Yeah. I did traction. I did, did massage, a lot of massage. Yep. My, 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 the muscles of my back all kind of like holding everything. And yeah. Muscle guard, but that make me like kind of remember that, like, wow, that's why we're not shooting, you know, for years. <laughs> <laughs> the the only other mechanism of injury you can think of offhand, like we talked about shooting, talked about posting on the head, is, is especially in jujitsu, is inverted guard, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people can do inverted guard all day, oh, and yeah. sometimes, especially bigger people, can't 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 even get there. And one way people hurt their necks a lot and have disc bulge, uh, disc herniation, and disc protrusion. I should say disc protrusion because that covers everything. Disc protrusion issues later is they either get smashed, right, and both legs up over their shoulders, um, and wrestlers get smashed too, or they're playing a lot of inverted guard. And the, 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 the theory there is that when you're in an inverted, you're stretching out the posterior longitudinal ligament that holds your discs in. So if you get smashed and hurt that ligament, lots of times people, their neck hurts and they're fine, but they start having disc symptoms like a month later or wow. later than that. Or if someone plays a lot of inverted guard, a lot of people really like like that. Um, you know, slowly over time, they're stretching out that that posterior so longitudinal ligament and causing damage to the thing that holds the discs in. So mm. when Maverick and Goose were inverted, that's it's different kind of inverted. <laughs> different kind of inverted. Now you're saying that makes sense for me because yeah. I like since I started jujitsu to the brown belt in my first year as a black belt, I was pretty much a guard player. So mm -hmm. I was pulling guard and playing bottom. Mm -hmm. And since I hurt my neck, I just started to develop my top game. Mm -hmm. And now I am way more top player than a guard player, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just more on top and, and, and probably might be because of that, you know what I mean? I yeah. didn't want to be on bottom and people like stack me and, yep. and, and crush my neck again. Yeah. I said, well, just be on top and that's it. Yeah. And for, for people, when if you do get stacked, especially if you're a less flexible player, you know, when you get stacked, you know, you automatically turn your head to the side a bit. That gives you some room. If you get yeah. stacked quickly, like yeah. in a tournament, and you don't, you keep your head straight. That's yeah. even in train. Sometimes it's really hard yeah. to control the pace of the someone. They just go too fast, and mm -hmm. that's happening. You know. Yeah. So we've talked about like how these injuries happen and the things that when you start having a neck problem, you need to avoid. Let's try to get into like what we can do that's proactive. Like in your case, you, you had that disc splatter all at once, and there wasn't a whole lot to yeah. do. But with a chronic problem, some of the things that we did for rehab. Um, are things that can be done on the front end. And for some people, hopefully to, to avoid surgery, to avoid these things getting worse, because a lot of the disc 
issues in wrestlers and grapplers are a chronic slow moving thing that came on over time. And one thing that people recognize a lot more today is, is the use of traction or as I like to say spinal decompression, right? Because mm -hmm. people get these disc issues and disc protrusions that lots of times, lots of times they heal on their own, but lots of times with, with decompression or traction with the low back or the neck, basically we're pulling someone apart like an accordion and inviting that disc to pull itself back in. And, um, blood flow and all that too. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. But basically what you're doing is you're creating a negative pressure, like a vacuum situation in the disc. So now that splattered nucleus can start wow. to come back in hopefully. Right. <laughs> and sometimes it, it works amazingly. Sometimes it can flare things up. So when someone has an acute disc issue, we have to think about, we, we go into everything, um, with a bit of caution, right? Because, yeah. uh, Chiropractic, uh, chiropractic manipulation or spinal manipulation of the neck has been shown to help herniated discs. But that's not real, right? I mean, right? Yeah, it's all fake, fake research. <laughs> um, that's something we'll get into because actually, uh, that's one of the things it, that I call the big five, the top five lies people say about chiropractic physicians or chiropractic and stuff. So we're we're going to get into that on a, actually a special episode. But um, but so spinal manipulation has been known to help. Um, decompression therapy, fancy form of traction therapy has been known to help. And of course, exercises, stabilization exercises and things like that. One study I actually saw this morning while I was kind of like taking a shallow dive into this topic is that um, in the, let me grab this real quick. In the Journal of Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, there's a study that, that shows that they had really positive results with thoracic spine manipulation so like a chiropractic adjustment of the thoracic spine, staying away from the neck and doing traction on the neck, doing those things two together. At the to same time? Out. Well, like they'd manipulate the thoracic spine, then and do then some do traction that, yeah. on the neck. Because the thought is if you have a really flared up disc and you start doing what, what people would traditionally think with neck manipulation, which is turning the head, rotation could definitely irritate it. Right. But it could definitely help on another person. So what, what we usually like to try to do is I'll do thoracic spine manipulation, shoulder, no sweat, just try to loosen everything up and buy you some slack. And then we'll do some, some manual traction, meaning don't go decompression the first day. I'll do traction with my hands and a little bit of joint mani ma manipulation front to back, so it's but like not rotating the head. Internal yoga almost. Yeah, maybe. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and then um, doing, if that goes well, then the next day doing a little bit of decompression. See if that goes well and easing your way into it. But um, with a problem like that, like inflammation is, is a key factor because some people will do great and the more interventions we do, the better they do. And then some people are so ripe, you can't, you can't even do anything. You can't even Whoa. massage their neck. So, so there are things that you can do, but one thing that has really seemed to help wrestlers is a little bit of daily traction, right? Because if you're having a neck issue, um, sure, you can come into a clinic two, three, four times a week and get 20 minutes of traction, but isn't it better to do 10, 15 minutes a day you know, on your own. So there's actually these home traction units now. You were doing yeah, it for yeah. a little while, right? Yeah, you told my boss like to buy it on the Amazon. They want you to put it in the door. Yeah, yeah. yeah that thing down. helped me, and I don't do shit. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, like I felt way better through yeah. the years. All right, when you got done with the whole therapy, mm -hmm. he told me like, "Wow, that's something that you need to do forever." You know, like keep doing traction. You know what I mean? Just to keep mm -hmm. like the space between the, the vertebrae and and not because when you have diffusion, that's what the doctor told me. And, and Dr. Matt told me too, you know, like you create a lot of more um, pressure on the above vertebra and the below vertebra. So the, the chance you to have that again mm -hmm. is higher. 
So we need to keep doing that therapy with time and time and, and the traction just to avoid that in the future, you know? Yeah, and even if you sleep wrong or something and your neck is jacked up in the morning, that thing, yeah. that's helps but for me. what yeah. we do, like the athletes, like jujitsu, wrestlers, MMA, like like we put our head like in mm-hmm. bad spots all the <laughs> time, you know? <laughs> and, and that could happen, you know? Especially for someone who already had that, had the fusion, mm-hmm. and then like, I've been doing that like more and more through the years, but sometimes you, you don't do it and then you start feeling again, and mm-hmm. the um, the concern for people who who have had a fusion is is the disc above and the disc below the fusion because now now these two discs are working overtime stretching it yeah. too much you mean um, just more wear and tear on the discs because because right. all of our necks wear out especially in the lower cervical spine but now that you have a fused segment what our concern is is the that disc above and below that segment especially below wearing out even faster so, so that's where. We use daily traction as a preventative, you know, just to keep everything nice and limber. And when you pull the, the spine apart like that, the discs actually take in more water, more cerebrospinal fluid. It's called imbibition, like to, to imbibe, to drink. That's so, good, right? Yeah. So we pull, we're pulling that disc apart and basically stretching it, right? Like doing yoga for the disc, yeah. kind of like you were saying. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense what you said. And um, getting that disc to imbibe and drink up more fluid and try, try to plump that disc up as best you can does it get you know does it start doing it more and more as you like it's like oh shit it's time to suck up some juice well kind of like a sponge right? right like if you put the sponge in, in some water it'll slowly suck up some juice but if you move it around a little bit and if it's always <laughs> compressed it's not sucking right the sponge isn't right. sucking shit yeah. so so um basically we want to keep the rest of the neck healthy and, and when you start to have an injury whether it's you know you're just having some symptoms or if it's like post-surgical like in, like in tankino's case um, now's the time to start being nicer to your neck, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, after my surgery, the whole treatment, um, let's say that was what, 2011, 2012, that when I did the therapy. From there, I just conquered and, and win the, my biggest titles in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So wow. that's why I won like the awards like four times as a black belt. And then won the Nogi awards like last year, the the ADCC, and then I started to do MMA after that. So that was funny because, like, remember the story, the doctor told me, oh, you're not going to yeah, be trained anymore. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, what are you going to do? And then seeing, like, the treatment that the Dr. Kobe gave to me and, and that works and, and giving me, like, hope again. And more and more training. confidence. Exactly, confident, uh, for sure. And, and still able to do what I was, like, trying to do my whole life, you know what I mean, competing on that level and winning the biggest tournaments in jiu-jitsu. So it was something like that make me really proud, you know. So yeah, you're doing, you're doing it sure. better. Exactly. Like, I think everybody needs to go through uh, like a fusion surgery. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding, just kidding. Elective fusion surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Not just kidding. But like maybe for me, it was something that I need to pass and, and, and help me to be a better athlete, to be more professional. You know what I mean? Take care of my body a little bit better too, and I, I don't regret now. So, are there are there any is there anything you do daily now, like neck exercises, to keep 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 your neck moving right and strong? I do like some like body weight, like moving my head, like mm-hmm. like lying down, with my head, but not like daily. Mm-hmm. But because like normally sometimes you're training, you you're playing guard in your body, sometimes you hold your mm-hmm. your neck, so you're already like. Getting your neck tired, um, 
and especially for MMA, like you training boxing, so you do a lot of head movements. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's all helps, like mm-hmm. the muscle part. Uh, yep. And but what I always do is stretching. That's mm-hmm. something that I like. I try to do every before every practice, you know, like stretching my neck in all the direction that I can. Especially if you start to feel that uh, like I start to get tense and and, and then mm-hmm. tie, I try to stretch pretty much every day. You know, mm-hmm. there's a little bit there's a little bit of evidence, you know, uh, from in the world of research showing that strengthening your neck can prevent neck injuries. Is that the halo thing or whatever? Yeah, there's that. There's just neck strengthening in general. It's one of those things that's hard to prove. It's hard to prove that stabilizing your neck and shoulder blades is going to be good for a disc herniation specifically. But but it passes the common sense test. So we're talking about things you can do like traction and soft tissue work and strengthening. Um, there's it, it, it's one of those things that's hard to establish exactly what everyone needs. So w- what you try to do is is take the exercises that have been proven to help or be the most likely to help. And with a disc person, a person with discogenic symptoms, maybe maybe they know they have they've had MRI and they know they have a disc issue. Maybe they don't. But chin retractions are very simple. And you often meet people who have been a disc patient for more than a year and and no one's ever tried neck retractions on them just to see if it makes them feel better or worse. And neck retractions are easy. Sometimes people call them chicken necks or chin tucks. But you just try to sit or stand with good posture. I like to really get shoulders back like this and you just do neck slides back like this. That looks cool. Right. And uh, <laughs> it seems it, it seems like if you were somebody with pain down your arm and a, and a disc diagnosis that... Um, that's too simple. Like that's not going to make your symptoms better, but you see it time and again where someone comes in who's really hurting like that. No, no one's ever tried that with them. There's a ton of clinical evidence showing it's helpful and you try that and their symptoms temporarily get better, but it sort of proves with that person that some neck stabilization is going to be good. But sometimes when you're really hurting, you you can't really do this stuff. Sounds like Cairo bullshit to me. So (laughs) lots of times it starts with with passive care, like getting someone feeling better and then getting them active. But um, getting them active, the goal is to help stabilize that area. It might not fix the disc issue, but help stabilize the neck in general. Well, like be careful. It's your neck. Yeah. yeah. Well, so like surgery should be the last step, right? Like you all need to try to do all that, those things first. Right. In your case, it was a little yeah. bit more of an yeah, emergency. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but yeah, lots of times with chronic issues, the, the biggest mistake we see wrestlers and fighters make with with neck problems, which are, which are often disc issues, is they tough it out for way too long. Well, like orthopedic surgeons, you said this to me a long time ago that <clears throat> for every uh, you know, orthopedic, or for every hammer they see a nail, it's like, oh, let's just cut it open and fix it that way. Yeah, before yeah. that, that can be part of the problem too. Yeah, that can, that can be. And part of the And you get told by a doctor, like, I'm just going to listen because he mm-hmm. has a stethoscope around his neck. Well, sometimes, like, one thing about disc issues in the neck and the back is that there's not a lot of great clinical correlation between what you see on MRI and what the patient's feeling. Because you could have a patient with a ton of discogenic type symptoms. And you get that MRI report, and, and they've got a little disc bulge, right? M- meaning then, they're a pussy, <laughs> right? Or no, just their symptoms are bad. Right. The, and then you, you, I've I've seen patients who their MRI shows a big disc herniation bulging into the nerve and compressing the nerve. You can see it right on the MRI, and um, you know they have a little tingling in their fingertip. Oh, you know, shit. so there it it varies a lot. So it, it's yeah. easy to see how when someone gets an MRI. Um, you know, the, the surgeon or the specialist might look at a bad disc bulge on MRI and be like, this thing needs to go now. But the patient's presentation isn't, isn't really all that bad. Yeah. So, 
let's see. In my kid, my was really bad. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. So. so before it was just like your my neck was just jacked, like you couldn't no, even. No, like I couldn't move, but like I had like a sharp pain on my shoulder blade, like like almost like a knife. Like all the time when you yeah, moved like, your head. Yeah. No, not move your head, just just sitting. The only way that I was not feeling it was if I put my right arm up like that. I was walking the streets like that. No shit. Or lying down. When I was lying down, I was not feeling it too. You know, mm. beside that was like. Like, like it constant. feels like you, it needs to be cracked, kind of like, or like uh, it needs to be something. No, no, like I feel like it was someone like putting a knife like on my Jeez. on my shoulder blade, and the whole time like just every every time like just going a little bit more. And little how long more. did you go around like that? Where it was well, like for ten days. The day that it hurt, oh, well, I heard it one day, probably like two or three days after that. That's when I started to have those symptoms. So one more week into the surgery, you know. Wow. So, Professor, you're you're still with ACB, right? Well, actually, my contract just expired today, now in May. So okay. I'm, I'm technically well, free, free agent. Free agent. So, <laughs> so what do you what are you thinking? What do you think is on the horizon? Is there any particular matches that you that you'd be excited about, or particular tournaments you're looking forward to? Uh, well, I was looking forward to to do some MMA fight. That's mm -hmm. my goal right now. Um, maybe one or two fights. On the year, I don't know if I'm gonna be able just because the whole mm -hmm. scenario, you know, the whole pandemic and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, for the next year, I might defend my title on the HCC because I'm the champion, and that's every two years. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to push them to do like a super fight uh, instead of do the tournament again, mm -hmm. just because I, I want, I want, I want something bigger, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm already like 37 years old. Mm -hmm. And I mean, go there and win one more time the tournament. It's not going to add in too much to my legacy. Mm -hmm. Like if they, if they create something new, like a super fight, mm -hmm. um, like a lightweight open or something like that, that uh, is going to add in something for my legacy, for what I'm going to um, show, uh, I, I would excite me to go there and, and compete, you know? Yeah. So that way you could match up with particular people that you want to have a match with. Yeah. As opposed to... Well, like... I gave the suggestion to to put me and the other uh, guy the 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 division that was one seven. So I was the one forty five champion. So I said, well, like put it with me, the one forty five champion, and then the next division, the one seventy champion, mm -hmm. to fight for for the first uh, uh, lightweight open, wow. right? And 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 that guy is a JT Torres. He's a mm -hmm. he's a the, he won the last two HCCs, but we faced each other five times before. And they won three, I lost two. The three that I won, two were no gi. So the two times that we fought no gi, I beat him before. Mm -hmm. 170, mm -hmm. you know? So, well, I, I think I can do it again for sure. But like I said, I want something bigger, or something mm -hmm. that is going to be open space for, for the lightweights competing because now just to have the regular open. And, um, you know what I mean? Like for the like 145 guys, 170 guys, normally we don't go compete in the open mm -hmm. just because we need to fight the our division before. And for the good ones who made to the finals, like that's literally like 30 minutes before starting the open. And you also need to make your way to every day. So you, you're going to be like smaller. So creating a lightweight open would just create like a chance for everyone on those divisions to fighting like in an open and, and of course make more money, like get like more, more attention. And I think it would be fair for me or for him, and for him mm -hmm. to be the first ones competing there. And so that's I'm trying to push the, the promoters to do that from mm -hmm. HCC. 
You gonna start doing some Henry Cejudo stuff, cringe factor stuff? Yeah, well, I might do it. But I'm not good at that. I'm, I, I might need to to Henry yeah. <laughs> and learn a little bit of that. But I mean, like, I'm trying to do that. That's what I want to do the next year. And, and of course, hopeful mm-hmm. we have the the events all around the world back, and and they can do some MMA fight again. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not not fighting at 35. I'm gonna fight 45. Right. I'm I'm not that thirty five anymore. We were Done. talking on the podcast earlier this week. We were talking about weight cutting, and it it, it it's nice to think it's it's nice to know you don't have to do it because it's yeah. a whole another battle. Yeah. Well, we still diet. He's still losing yeah. weight, but it's not like for me. I, I walk on like six five. Sometimes I get in one seventy. That's my normal weight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I'm really in shape, I get like sixty, like good, mm-hmm. and then like. Going to 45, I'm still doing to diet like good 15 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's not bad, but like to 35, that that's a different road, you know. Yeah. Your biggest cut ever was 20 something pounds, right? Well, I did 20. Well, I didn't make weight, but right. <laughs> I was supposed to be 27 in four days, so I made a large 21. Right. I didn't. I, I just gave it like six over it was a order for the weigh-ins i was not losing any more weight i said wow spitting like, into a couple days <laughs> i was doing everything you know yeah. I mean? it was six pounds it was a little bit less like i was keep trying but like was like i was f- literally two waters without losing like like point zero point one point mm-hmm. two and then the weigh-ins was on the next order and i said man like i'm not losing six pounds in one order you know? mm-hmm. i'm just stopping mm-hmm. right now I'm gonna lose the same 20%, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's not, but I took a short notice, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Five days to fight, four days to make weight. I was 27 over, well, so. Right, when I trim just a few pounds for a jiu-jitsu tournament, like a few days, like I feel it. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I'll, get, I'll get dizzy. <laughs> and we're talking about like seven, eight pounds. I get yeah. hangry too, I get, right. you know, burritos start looking good and it's like, whew. Um, <laughs> Professor, is there anything else you can think of that we should cover, you know, either related to, to neck, neck injuries and jujitsu or anything else you'd like to talk about before we start to wind things down a little? Uh, well, I think just people need to have the conscience, you know what I mean, to, to listen to your body and, mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean, understand what's happening to you. And for sure, like, starting to do, like, the, the preventions, like you said, the stretching, mm-hmm. the, maybe the decompression a little bit every day, mm-hmm. especially the fighters, competitors that... Like we said, we put our head in so many spots there, mm-hmm. like on the ground, on the, on the hips of someone. Uh, so that's good happening. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's important because you're never expecting to happen with you mm-hmm. until you happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that was me. I was never had any problem. I was just going 100% all the time and like posting my head, finding for every single point. And then one day that's happened to me and then I passed through all that situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe if it was a little bit more careful before, I would not, no need to pass for everything, you know. So mm-hmm. maybe good tip to everyone, just looking for your future, you know. When you're younger, nobody think about that. But when you start to get older, things happen. A right? common theme, too, is just the education of the fighter and themselves because you'll get a lot of doctors, coaches yeah. telling you that you can do this when you know you can't or when you can I do something. That's the evolution, too, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, the sport being involved in so much that you, you need to be professional. So yeah. you, you need to look to every aspect, you know what I mean? One thing that comes up on the podcast time and time again is is you can be a fighter, you can be tough and aggressive, but you, you that doesn't mean you, you're you excluded from being careful, you yeah, know, exactly, and listening yeah. to your body. Even yeah. even sleep is, is, a, is a training, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. need, you need to take your rest and 
sleep well, mm -hmm. eating well, like uh, do the therapy that you need to do, preventions. So yeah. All right, that'll do it for today. I'd like to give a big thanks to Professor Tanquino. Um, if you're here in Tempe, Arizona, and you want to train jujitsu, I mean, why not train with the best teacher on earth at Soul Fighters here in Tempe and in the West Valley of Phoenix too. Um, also like to thank our sponsors, Dark Horse Lionheart and 48 Real Estate, the beard estate agents. All right, we will talk to you next time. Bye.